CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of Your Money and Your Life. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We certainly appreciate your time. And I'm once again talking with Don, as we typically do about investing, finance, and retirement. Although lately, we can't seem to not talk about the lovely, lovely bug that has made our life so interesting. My friend, how are you? Doing good, Mark. Hanging in there. It's the same as you, I'm assuming, where you are. Just yep. trying to... Uh, deal with it, keep our sanity, uh, stay as active as possible and healthy and, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah, it's, it's that's the line I've been using for a while when I when I saw, talk to people, uh, text them, message them, do podcasts, radio shows, whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm like, stay safe and stay sane because that's a that's a piece of it. You know, we want to stay safe, but we have got to we got to watch that mental side as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's I think we mentioned this last time. It seems like every day seems like a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and a week seems like a month. Right. Yeah. Someone said, oh, didn't that happen like uh, a week ago? I'm like, gosh, it felt like a month ago. April was the longest year I could ever remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you. How's your days? Are they kind of are they blurring together? Like if I didn't have my recording schedule with like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with the different shows I'm doing, I think the days would blur together. It's like today is is it today, tomorrow, yesterday? I don't even know what day it is. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit of that on the weekend, Mark. Like you know, when uh, Friday runs into Saturday, I wake up like, wait a second, is this a weekend? Is it Friday? It's you know, right. Do yep. some work on on uh, Saturdays typically, but yeah, I mean the days are melding together. And but I did read something interesting that during one of the great pandemics of England, and they had a bunch of them many, many years ago, that Shakespeare was quarantined at his home mm -hmm. and wrote the play King Lear. So, oh, well, there you go. Uh, I feel like I want to be productive. I'm pretty sure he wasn't eagerly anticipating the daily press conference from King Henry VIII. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, That's pretty good. By the way, the, the, back then, get this. I read this when I was reading this article about Shakespeare. The playhouses were closed on and off for five years. Wow. So, yeah, that kind of you know makes us pale in comparison. But you know, I definitely want to come out of this crisis a better person. I'm sure you feel the same way. No, definitely. Well, I'll match you with some trivia. The word quarantine is Latin for quarantina. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it means 40 days. So uh -huh. it came out during the bubonic plague, I believe, and uh, sailors were quarantined to their ships for 40 days at a stretch when they would go from port to port before they could go in and out, either going into the town or coming back out of it before they could get back on the boat to not transmit the plague. So there you go. Very interesting. I'm going to pack that away in my brain. You are the first person to tell me that coronavirus is actually... COVID-19. You told me that way back in, in February. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. When this, uh, the who, I guess when the who got around to naming right. it that. Yeah. And, you know, and I feel bad for 19 because 19 overall was a pretty good year. And we had to, they should have just called it COVID-20 because this whole, I think everyone's just ready to, to return, you know, 20 and start again. Because like, can we exchange this for a new year? <laughs> if you were yep. shopping for years, 2020 has not been off to a great start so far. But uh, I guess we should probably get into some of our conversation that we usually do. But I, I did want to ask you, you know, you mentioned doing walks and trying to stay active. We talked about that the last time. Family doing okay, clients doing okay, things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, for us, we're, we're trying to, you know, maintain what we've done over the past month or so, a lot, a lot of long walks together with the family. And I mentioned to you last time I have a new workout routine. 
And that's interesting because I'm the kind of guy that usually goes to the gym. I have a gym right down the street from me. So I'm usually there at least three times a week, sometimes four. Well, if you're in Georgia, you can go apparently starting next week. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that more from uh, people around the country. But this exercise routine is great for people over 50, Mark. Okay. So it's a, it's a low impact on the joints designed to increase muscle mass. So you know, I did, I have found when I'm starting this workout that home exercise equipment is actually harder to acquire than toilet paper. So, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that it's uh, everyone who's interested in working out is, uh, is trying to get home exercise equipment. Yeah, so yeah. that's a big deal. Yep. But each day we're reflecting on you know, three good things I mentioned to you last time. We're trying to keep a, a positive attitude. And yesterday, my, one of my three uh, good things or the three good things were the smell of fresh cut grass because the landscapers are out now cutting grass family walks, and a really good cup of coffee in the morning. So nice. that's my thing for the, the, three, uh, the three things to reflect on. And I mentioned to you a few months ago, my kids bought me this Fitbit watch, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That measures my steps. So we're really into that and using that a lot. But I discovered that while I was reviewing this Fitbit app that it also tracks the score and the quality of my sleep. So that's something I didn't know it was on that on that watch. So yeah. it's my new obsession. Have you ever seen that app? I, ha- I have not. And I always find it fascinating how, how those things can even do that. So it's curious how that technology even works. But no, I, I wasn't aware they did that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So when you dig into the app, somehow they measure, I guess it must be with your heart rate. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It measures your uh, your deep sleep, your REM sleep, your light sleep, how much time you're up awake in the middle of the night. So it's pretty cool. So it keeps you focused on like, you know, getting enough length of sleep as well because they kind of shoot for at least eight hours of sleep. But right. that's kind of my thing lately is is the Fitbit and the app. And the kids are staying active. They're running and, you know, shooting hoops and jumping on the trampoline. And clients, uh, f- absolutely, for the most part, are being cautious, uh, but, you know, staying active, walking. And we Good. continue to reach out to those in need whether it's our neighbors or friends or, you know, those who are alone to, you know, do FaceTime or chat on the phone to try to, you know, stay engaged with people. Well, from the, uh, you know, from the colleague front, how's things going there? Are you, are you talking with other folks, other, you know, people that you work with or, you know, things that you're reading, you know, just in kind of in the, in the trades and whatnot? Yeah. You know, I speak with people pretty regularly, almost every day, uh, all over the country, all over the world, really people from Asia, the Philippines, India, and it's amazing, Mark. We're all experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Right. With this quarantine, I speak with folks in, in as I mentioned, in Asia and in different parts of the of the world and the country. And they're, you know, we're all going through the same. Some more restrictive than others. It's interesting, you know, in the Philippines, they've had, you know, relatively very few cases, but they have like very extreme lockdown rules. Yeah. And you know, one of my daily habits is reading the world news. It's usually on page like 10 or 12 of the paper. It's interesting. It's never in the front part. No. I guess uh, you know, it's probably not uh, something that people are, are very interested in, but I've been following these virus statistics daily from all over the world. And as of this recording, there I think there are about 50,000 fatalities sadly in the United States. And you know, when you see grim statistics like this in the news, like death tolls reach 50,000 or virus totals reach 500,000 or a million. I find there's no context in this. And one of the things that came to mind was this issue of context. When I was very young, 
my sister had a case of something called the Hong Kong flu. Would you ever hear of that? I don't recall that one, no. Yeah, back then, this was in the late 60s, over 100,000 people died here in wow. the United States. And the population was half our size. So, yeah. you know, it really makes you think, you know, with all the increased virus testing, there's there's so much that's being learned every day. I've been listening to podcasts from uh, epidemiologists. I'm not even, you know, before this, I didn't even know that that existed. I mean, I heard the term. Right, right. But um, these are ep- epidemiologists from Stanford and Yale and Europe. And there's some fascinating studies that are coming out from these antibody tests to see how many people have actually had this virus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, it, and it shows what the true fatality rate may be. So I'm hopefully that this will help us relax some of the restrictions, especially in parts of the country, you know, outside of the New York metropolitan area, maybe uh, New Orleans or Miami that have not been. Yeah, the more hotspot areas, yeah. Right. So we need to, you know, you and I spoke about this off air. We need absolutely need to get people back to work. Oh, yeah, um, without a doubt. But not only that, people need to get back more to visit their doctor, right, to get therapy and you know, people with addiction and depression need treatment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, we, people, we, we people mentioned in public that health, yep. you know, like epidemiologists are addressing this feverishly. Yeah, now we mentioned that before. I mean, there's just so much, there's so many other facets. I think it's interesting to see sometimes people are seen a, everything we seem to do seems to be black or white right now. You're either, you're either pro stay at home or you're pro economy. And it seems like that's the conversation as of late. And if you say one or the other, then you must be against the opposite. I don't think that's really fair. I think it's just not that cut and dry. There's got to be ways to do some of these things because as you and I mentioned, things are getting harder to find in stores. It's not just toilet paper and meat. It's, you know, because we're not making things. So getting people back to work is important. Getting them to the doctors is important. All those pieces. Absolutely. There are definitely, there are deep nuances to the effects of the virus. And I think the more you look past the grim headlines and listen to scientists and doctors, you get a different perspective. And I've always believed that the harder you work to ask good questions and acquire relevant knowledge, Mm -hmm. the better off you are and and the more you can help other people as well. No, I agree with you 100%. And hopefully we'll see some more of that. I know there's a lot of back and forth uh, about Georgia taking the stance they're taking so far this uh, for this upcoming week at the time we're taping this and other con- other states, excuse me, are still saying another couple of weeks. So we'll continue to monitor this and see how things go and address it. But let's let's turn our attention to what we did talk about before from a financial side, Don. And, and we talked about the CARES Act and the stimulus checks. A lot have gone out. Many people I know have received them while others have not the unemployment benefits, uh, temporary changes to the IRA rules and the regulations. What kind of feedback are you hearing since that last conversation from your clients? Well, you know, as you mentioned, uh, people are just starting to get those twelve hundred dollar checks, Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, the ma- the vast majority of of clients are still working, or you know, many are also retired. Right, but they'll still get the twelve hundred dollars checks if their income is under certain uh, income thresholds. Right, we mentioned that last show, right? One hundred fifty thousand dollars. If you're married, seventy five thousand dollars. If you're single, with phase outs above that, the changes in the IRA rules has caused some confusion. I find in the public, and just to clarify, if you're over seventy two. That's the change in the laws of last year. There's no required minimum distribution. That's the RMD. Mm -hmm. So there's no RMD for this year. And that's for the year 2020 only. And it also applies to inherited IRAs, whether you're over or under age 72. And, you know, that's that kind of information is really, 
I don't think it's seeped out to people, even though we've put it on our podcasts and many people who have inherited IRAs don't know that also applies to them. You do not need to take two distributions next year. Okay. That's a, a point that's come up. I've seen with many people. So it's as if this year never happened really from an RMD standpoint. And the same thing happened uh, 10, 11 years ago in 2009. Correct, so yep. this is not uh, the first time they've waived the RMD. But keep in mind, you must resume the IRA distributions next year if you're over age 72. And the penalty mark for getting this wrong is steep. Mm. It's 50%. Yeah, that's stout. Of the, yeah, <laughs> of the untaken distribution. So it's big time. So it's one of the calculations that people really need to get right. And we do this for you know clients. So it's not something they have to be worried about. If you're under 59 and a half, you can take up to $100,000 out of the IRA without a 10% penalty. So that's part of this, uh, this CARES Act uh, law that was passed a few weeks ago. You can pay the tax over a three-year period or just place the funds back in the IRA within three years with no tax due. But keep in mind to do this, it needs to be what they call a coronavirus-related distribution. That's pretty broadly defined, but not everyone qualifies. So you have to be careful about that. Yeah, I would think that that would be somewhat easy to you know do under a coronavirus-related distribution. But yeah, definitely double-check that. Now, there's been conversation and confusion about that with that three-year period. So it's kind of like a loan, correct? That's right. Exactly. Okay. All right. So... In the dangerous aspect, if we're not careful when it comes to the taxes, you could owe a lot of money you know, in the taxes or need to pay that back. Is this the same for the 401k as it is for the IRA? It is very similar. The 401k already had loan provisions previously, but okay. they've expanded that. I think the big deal is just to make sure that just do this only if it's necessary, right? Because you know the three years kind of marches up on you quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you take money out and you're spending it on something, just be really careful if that it's something that you can either pay back, put back into the IRA, or you can meet that tax obligation because that could be a, a pretty nasty bite. Yeah, for sure. Well, what are people doing from a planning perspective or maybe should be doing from a planning perspective? Which What's some thoughts there? You know, I found with a discussion from clients that most have either stopped or reduced their IRA distributions since it's not mandatory. So it allows time for their accounts to recover since the market has uh, dropped, even though it's recovered a, a bit. And they can simply resume distributions next year. And of course, not take two, but just resume the distributions next year. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind that when we plan for clients, you know, that we factor in years like this where the stock market could drop sharply. You know, it's happened three times over the past 20 years with uh, the sharp stock market drops. We don't know exactly what's going to cause it. But you really have to factor it into the models and the plans. With the suspension of the RMD, now it also allows them to take money that they were required to take from their IRAs and set up a Roth IRA conversion. Well, Don, can do us a favor. Can you give us an example of that? Can you kind of break that down a little bit? Sure. Let's say, just for example, let's say a person had $30,000 okay, right, in right. RMD this year. Mm -hmm. And now there's no requirement. So it's waived for the year 2020. So that individual can simply convert $30,000 or more or less uh, from their traditional IRA into their Roth IRA. It's simply a matter of transferring the funds from one IRA 
into another IRA and just paying the taxes due. The funds in the Roth IRA, however, grow tax-free for life, and the heirs inherit the funds also tax-free. You know, keep in mind before the law change, you were required to take that money from your IRA anyway and pay the tax. So this is just a way to get the money into a tax-free account. And as a bonus, there's no RMD, no required minimum distribution on the Roth IRA. Now, is there is there a time limit to this, or is this for the whole year we can go through this, this process? Yeah, it's a good question. It's any time this year. Okay. So when they made these uh, this change in the law, this these temporary changes, it was for all of the year 2020, not just for whatever period the virus keeps us in quarantine or the period where the markets have dropped and you know hopefully they do recover sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you mentioned earlier on, you know, hoping to come out of this as a better person. You know, I think that's a great point. I know a lot of our listeners, you know, probably think the same thing. And so from a charitable standpoint, does this law change? Does that affect giving to charities? Because obviously a lot of those are hurting as well. And and some of our listeners may want to consider doing something along those lines, too. Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, the option to gift to a qualified charity by giving money directly from your IRA has not changed. So if you're over 70 and a half, you can give money directly to a charity from your IRA and it will not count as a taxable distribution from your IRA. It's just a wonderful way to support charities. And people have been doing this over the past several years because the uh, the gift to the charity, it's known as a qualified charitable distribution or QCD. You know, it counted toward their RMD. So getting back to that prior example, if the person had a $30,000 RMD and they decided to be extremely charitable and gift that money toward a charity, then they would have no taxable event that year. So we could still do this. And I do suggest this to clients regularly. It's a very technical process, Mark. You need to be careful to follow certain steps, but it's very powerful. Well, and like anything, folks, make sure you check with a qualified professional before you take action, like Don. Uh, and you can, of course, reach out to him. But that's great, though, because there are so many worthwhile charities that do need help. So this is definitely good news. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, if you're charitably inclined and you're secure financially, uh, don't stop giving now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, there's some good information here in the podcast this week. So if you've got those questions, as I mentioned, make sure you reach out to Don. Uh, You can call him at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'd certainly appreciate it at donaldcash.com. That's uh, donaldcash.com. And we're going to wrap this thing up here in just a minute, but uh, let's do a little fun. Let's do a little getting to know you go around this go you know just just to kind of change it up a bit if you could relay a message to yourself 20 years ago what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now i've been asking this question to everybody because i'm I'm curious as to what the you know everything going on what they would say yeah it's a great question you know i think the older we get you know you we think more about these types of questions and i think a lot about this now Uh, you know for those of us let's say if we're over 50, right? We come to the realization that time is short and that we're fortunate to live, you know, to age 80, right? And I mean, the reality is that if that's the case, if we are fortunate to live to, to be that age, that most of our life is over, 
if we're over 50 years old. So, you know, how many years are there left? Maybe 20 or 30. It could be 10. I mean, this virus has opened our eyes more than ever to the reality that could end very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. I I read a, a great blog recently, Mark, where they referenced three questions to reflect on. And one was this, your doctor tells you that you have five to 10 years left to live. The good part is you won't ever feel sick. The bad news is you'll have no notice of the moment of your death. So what will you do in the time you have remaining to live? Are you going to change your life? And how are you going to do it? So it was very provocative. And Mm. as it relates to your question, one of the wonderful aspects of my work is that I've been had the blessing to help and learn from people and clients and colleagues from the age of 30 all the way to age 100. And I asked them for advice and I, you know, I learned from their life experiences and, and I try to keep an open mind. And when I think back 20 years ago, I was much more apt then to put my work ahead of my family, like many people do, or even my health. And as I've thought about that, especially now in the midst of what we're going through and with my kids getting older and having more life experiences, I think what I would tell myself is one, spend more time with the family, slow down, think before you act or say yes to something. I used to be, you know, much more likely to commit to something or respond and say, yes, I'll do that and, and not consider the time required. And just really not stress out so much over the day-to-day issues that we face. And certainly taking care of myself, exercising, sleeping, reading, praying, reflecting each day, being grateful. You know, we spoke about, right, that three day, every day being grateful for three things and learning something new, I think is a big deal. And, you know, the bottom line is, uh, the older I get, I, I, I think more, it's not about me. It's about being other centered. And, and that really goes a long way, I think, to, you know, increasing your well-being and your happiness. Well, man, that's a great way to wrap up the show. I think, you know, I couldn't have said anything better myself. So with that, I'm just going to say thanks so much for your time. You're on the podcast. Take some of that and run with it. Let's try to be safe, be sane, think of others and uh, do the best we can as we're moving through this. But if you have those financial questions, again, please check with a qualified professional before you take action. Don's a CPA and a CFP. So call him at 800-664-1183. Subscribe to us on Your Money and Your Life on Apple or Google or Spotify or whatever platform you choose so you can get more content from Don Cash. And we'll talk to you next time here on the program. This has been Your Money and Your Life. Don, my friend, stay safe. I'll see you soon. You too, Mark. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.